Hey friends, thanks for tuning in to the Church Planner Podcast. Before we started today, wanted to tell you about a really special opportunity. Our friends at the Micro Church Conference put on by Brave Future, um, happening April 18th through the 20th in Kansas City. This is for all of you who are wondering what is a new kind of paradigm for missional church planting and church multiplication through smaller expressions of church, what they call rediscovering the smaller way. It's happening April 18th through the 20th. Kansas City is being hosted by Kansas City Underground. It's going to be a great weekend. And they've given us four free registrations to give away. Normally the price is $90, but we will get you into the conference for free. We have four of those. What you can do to enter is go on our Instagram at Church Planter Podcast. And there you'll find um, a, a DM button. Click that DM button. Send us a DM with your email on it and your name and where you serve. So email, name, where you serve, and you'll be entered to win one of four micro church conference registrations. You just get yourself to Kansas City and uh, you can be there and learn a ton from our friends at Brave Futures. Hope you enjoy the show today. The illustrious Jabba bids you welcome. <laughs> I'm going to regret this. I'm Pete Mitchell. He's Peyton Jones. And this is the Church Planner Podcast, brought to you by Church Planner Magazine. Just like grape. Here. Church planting. Same thing. Either you. Church planting do. Yes. Or Church planting do. No. You. Church planting do. Guess so. Just like grape. Hey, church planter. This is Pete Mitchell. And this. Peyton Jones. And, and we're in rare form today. <laughs> I need to work on my Miyagi. I need to channel my in- inner Miyagi. Oish. You know that thing he does, right? When he oish. Hey, this he pulls his arms out like that. This you can see me. This is for your wife. California, stay away from here. Stay away from here now. Don't, hey. don't come in here. Hey, she Whatever started listening to the away. podcast again. Don't. John Doe has the other hand. <laughs> don't oh, do what's it. What's in the box? Oh, you did it. Oh, what's she in the box? She she started listening to the podcast again. You I, drove her away. She came back last week, and now you're just gonna drive her away again. You know, I got a habit of driving people away, and I really should feel bad about it. But for the most part, I don't give a rip. Hey, you know what? Talk, why was I the one that got all the hate mail? But I got all the hate mail for what you said. What did you get hate mail for? Oh, just a couple things. Is this from? I, I have to say, if you guys did not listen to, did you seriously get hate mail and you didn't share it with me? Yeah, I might. I mean, we'll talk after. You, it's of a sensitive nature. You were protecting <laughs> me, weren't you? You know, I live to protect you. I am your bodyguard. In fact, they should make a movie about us. And I, you know, Kevin Costner could play me. <laughs> Whitney Houston could play you. <laughs> I knew you were gonna go there. <laughs> Will always love 
That's me done. You like that? I could keep going. I'm curious. You got hate mail. Yeah. Yeah, I did. But we may have deserved it at a couple points. Well, you might have deserved it at a couple points. I'm just saying. And this is from the uh, Do Black Lives Matter podcast? If you did not listen to our Black Lives Matter podcast, Pete and I were a little bit passionate. We were all worked up about the election. Did it we? made us really upset. I didn't even no, remember I just talking made about the up. election. Oh, okay. It's kind of like El Nino. This election is kind of like, remember when El Nino came around? You could blame everything on El Nino. Remember you when know? Y2K came around? You did blame everything on Y2K. Yeah, well, this is this is the same. So I know we're going to hear, like I saw an obituary report the other day that said, it, it was a sweet looking old lady and it, it was in the newspaper. Either it was a joke, an ad that someone placed, but it was really on the newspaper. My buddy circled it and it said, it said, forced to choose. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. And you're forced train, to choose between voting for Hillary or voting for Trump. She chose to depart this world and go into her eternal rest. That's a great obituary. That is hilarious. Yeah, I'll see if I can get the picture. And I bet you anything you. that was just offensive to people right now. Oh yeah. Well, well you know. You know we're on episode one ninety nine. Offensive baby. You know we're on episode one ninety nine. What? This is one ninety nine. And you're not gonna be here for two hundred? I'm gonna have to do two hundred without you. I'm just saying I can't well, you're gonna be at <laughs> exponential, so it's not like you could really do it either. Yeah, it's true. Well, I'm not gonna be there on Friday, but I was gonna say I'm gonna be interviewing my butt off Are at uh, exponential. Oh yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I should probably care what people had to say, but that is actually one of the reasons I have Pete at churchplantermag.com go straight into the trash. <laughs> they might have actually sent it to me, and I just don't get those emails. Are you serious? Oh, yeah, dude. I, I stopped getting hate mail a long time ago. I learned how to deal with it. <laughs> I just turn it off. Heat at churchplantermag.com goes straight into straight the trash. In the trash. <laughs> I'm going to start sending you love messages. To Does, Pete. <laughs> doesn't even come across my desk. I if, never if see If I those. ever die, you'll have to search through the trash to see what I really thought about you. I love this. This is this is rich. Now, if you if you email Pete Wildstallion at hotmail.com, that might actually go to me. <laughs> Wild Stallions rule. <laughs> Dude, that was on TV this last week. Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Oh, it was oh, good stuff. the best. It was good stuff. Man, I've had a crazy week. For me, it was crazy. Hey, hey, what happens in St. Louis stays in St. Louis. Yeah, I was there in St. Louis for, um, this was a longer trip for me because I, I left on Sunday and didn't come back until Tuesday. Normally, I'll leave on one day and literally come back the next. Mm. But uh, we had three sessions that I was speaking at, two of them on Monday and one of them on Tuesday. Next week, I got to go to the East Coast um, speaking in Philadelphia and in Maryland on the mm. same day and then flying back that day. No kidding. And then the next week after that, I got to go to Nashville and then I think Utah and then um, I don't tell Utah. Then a and then a couple of weeks after that, I'm going to San Jose, and I don't know. I'm all over the place. Dude, I got a laugh out of my dad joke. That was awesome. Hey, all I want to know, because now I'm, I'm, you got me stuck on the hate mail. You shouldn't have even brought it up. Did I offend any of our black listeners? 
No. Okay, then I don't give a rip if I offended the white people. <laughs> I really don't. Sorry. I just I can't get over some of the comments that keep coming up on Facebook. I'm just like, oh, oh really? Oh yeah. Uh, you know, I I stop. Uh, I kid you not. Now I I think I've done drive-by posts this week on Facebook, but I've pretty much not even paid attention to Facebook this week, and I I think that's kind of a good thing. <laughs> You know, I've been thinking, and uh, I'm thinking, uh, you know, like the human being. Oh, Ever seen gosh. that on Mars Attacks where they blow up all the humans? And the lady at the donut shop, she goes, I think they know like the human being. I don't remember <laughs> Mars. Mars Attacks was not a good movie. I mean. Dude, what's wrong with you? Oh, come on. Fantastic you know, here's movie. the thing. I knew you and I have different, uh, oh. different love languages when it comes to movies. We, we share a few in common, obviously Star Wars, but then outside of that, I don't, I don't know that we're in much agreement. Dude, Sarah Jessica Parker's head on a chihuahua, like <laughs> that's just pure genius. How can you, you know, we come in peace and blowing people up, shooting the dove out of the sky. That's just, that's just, you know, but I like weird. The weirder it is, the more I like it. So like Time Bandits, it's in my top five. So you got to figure, right? Peyton Jones is a little bit. You work for the railroad, Grandpa? I work for no man. Got a name, do you? I have no name. Well, that right there may be the reason you had difficulty finding gainful employment. You see, <laughs> in the mart of competitive commerce... And I'm a little bit... Michael, your logic in this case is totally illogical, and yet it's absolutely correct. This is just amazing. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. It's just human. That's why I got you one of those for your cars. You could just drive around all day pushing those buttons. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think my car is, it might be nearing the end of its life. What? Yeah. I I keep having more and more problems with it. Oh, dang, dude. That's like a killer hot rod, too. I, see, that's Can the I thing. I absolutely love my car. Can I have it? But if it breaks, you keep fixing it. Did you realize it's 11 years old? It's no dead. way, dude. Yeah, it's Are no you serious? Because yeah. I met you five years ago. And I still had it. It's amazing. <laughs> well, I thought it was new back then because it was cool. I just moved back to America. So I didn't, I, to me, every car on the road was new. Oh, look at that car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I don't know, man. I'm afraid I'm going to, because normally what I do when I go on these, these trips is I, I drive to the airport and I leave my car there. Right. So that way, like, it's too hard for my wife to drop me off at the airport because of the two kids. It's just, yeah, it doesn't work. So it's easier for me to leave the car there than to even Uber. Like, it's cheaper to leave the car there than, than to Uber back and forth to the airport. And um, I'm afraid I'm going to go out there off of one of these planes and like my car won't start. Oh, and, wow. and then I'll be even more ticked. I'll be like, you got to come yeah. jumpstart me so I can get out of here. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know. Dude, are you tired? You, did I'm, you catch up on your sleep? Oh, dude. Okay. Here's the thing. Sunday night, we get into the hotel in St. Louis at 1 a.m. Now, this is a two-hour difference from California time. And I love me my California time. Let me just leave it at that. I got to speak at 8 a.m., which is... 6 a.m. my time. I am not a morning person. So th that means I got to get up 
dressed, showered, all that. Before, oh my gosh, I was literally hurting. Both uh, uh, I do these trips with one of my clients, Debbie DeGroat, and um, and we we tag team when we're speaking at these events. So she's speaking. And then as soon as I get up there to speak, I literally, you know, I'm, I'm good to go. And then I sit down and then she's got to go speak again. And I can barely keep my eyes open. I am so freaking tired. Like I just want to curl up, but I'm in the front row <laughs> turned to the side. So literally the entire audience is looking right at me. Oh, that's awesome. And I'm like, this is, you know, you're, you're like literally like trying to keep your eyes as big as they can because you're like too afraid. <laughs> that you're gonna, like, I mean, you're not going to make any sales if you're like sleeping while your co-presenter is up there speaking. <laughs> and and she said to me afterwards, she goes, I was so tired when you were talking and I was just laughing. I'm like, it was the same thing with me. And then, yeah, man, man, that's uh, I remember we were talking and I'm like, I'm all excited because i I've got some cool news and I'm like, Hey, this oh, and that. I meant to tell you, I apologize for anything I said to you on that call. Cause I have like no idea what was happening. I was so, out you didn't say anything bad. It was just funny because, um, no, you, you were, you were cool. We were laughing our butts off. Cause I said something pretty funny, but, but what was, uh, what was, what was funny is I'm telling you all this stuff and I <laughs> quiet and I go, you, you picking up when I'm laying down and you go, I am so tired. I don't even know what you just said to me. <laughs> well, that and night, you're like, I'm in my hotel room. I had to get up at this time, 6 a.m. here, no, which was, is 3 a.m. our time. I had to be or, there you know. at, at 6 a.m. our time, which means I was oh, up gosh, at like 4.30. Oh, I, I'm yeah. not good for me, man. Not dude, good. so we were talking and I, I go, oh, you're in your, I go, here's how I picture you right now. <laughs> You're sitting there. You're 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 naked except you're in your boxers. Star Wars you're boxers. Just walk, you're you're yeah. I go. You're naked. You're, you're you're in your Star Wars boxers. Walking around your hotel room on the phone with me, eating a bag of Cheetos, and you start busting up and go. That's not far off from the truth. <laughs> I had no bag of Cheetos, but everything else was spot on. The Cheetos just completed the picture. Well, you said Pete that you weren't a morning person. Let me ask you, um, are you a math pastor, Pete? Well, let me put it like this to you. I choose not to be a math pastor. That's good. You know, that's a luxury that probably most church planners don't have, Pete. How do you pull that off? Well, simply what I do is I've hooked up with a great organization called SimplifiedChurch.com, and I turn over to them all of my math, all of my insurance, all of my workman's comp, all of my pastoral pay, IRS, mumbo jumbo. And I say, here, you guys take care of this. And you know what, Peyton? You know what? What? They do. What, Pete? Tell me. Simplifychurch.com takes care of it all. Would they even call you at like 4.30 in the morning when you're in St. Louis and you got to get up early for a meeting just because they care, Pete? <laughs> well, I did, t I did Facebook that I was in St. Louis. And Josh Henry the old CEO over there at SimplifyChurch.com Facebooks me. He goes, hey, how long are you going to be in town? I'm 15 minutes from there. And I'm like, mm, about three more hours. <laughs> <laughs> right on. All right. SimplifyChurch.com, guys. They will set you up, do all your bookkeeping, keep you IRS compatible, and do your end-of-year tax returns. They're worth a checking out. SimplifyChurch.com. Hey, so what are we talking about on today's episode? 
We're going to talk today about a mindset that is necessary to be able to evangelize mm. and minister to people. Because often what gets in the way of us actually being able to minister to people or hear them or interact with them in a way that's going to be beneficial is our attitude. And I think our podcast last week, that's kind of what we're hitting on is an underlying attitude that while the black community is suffering in America, uh, often the white community just has a bad attitude and uh, can't hear them, can't listen. And it's the same when we're talking about non-believers. In fact, people from any people group, let's say it's uh, people from you know the gay and lesbian movement. If you're walking around just angry at them, you can't minister to them. It could be anybody. It could be the the millennial generation. You're just taked off at the millennial generation all the time. So you're like, those millennials, blah, blah. Then you meet a millennial and you've got all this pent up anger because you've been listening to all this talk radio and, you know, maybe, you know, later silver haired preachers talking about how in my day and in my generation and, you know, you're just walking around just ticked off at everybody because you listen to talk radio all the time. Which, by the way, if you listen to talk radio, the first thing, probably the first step towards loving God and loving your neighbor is turn that crud off. It's just going to make you angry at everybody. I mean, that stuff just is fueled by anger, and most people don't see it. Talk radio exists to touch your anger nerve and get you all riled up. So um, I, I think we were kind of like talk radio last week, Pete, but, uh, but, but with a purpose. Well, I don't know. You'll have to tell me because you're the one who get all the comments. And if you've got anything negative that you'd like to say to me, go ahead and email me at Pete at churchplannermag.com. And uh, I'd love to hear your comments. <laughs> That's where all of your hate yes. mail should go from now on. I also got more thank yous. You, did you, you really? If, yeah, <laughs> See, I, I don't get I any got, of those either. Because yeah, all they, of the trash. Went, they all went in the trash. <laughs> so I got more thank yous than I've ever gotten for a podcast uh, from the black community last, last week. No kidding. I did. You got two thank yous, huh? Yeah. I got two. <laughs> Cause, and a half. Because we got about like three listeners. One white guy and a couple of black guys. That's it. No, no. Um, we we don't even have that after last week's podcast. Pete. <laughs> we lost the white guy. <laughs> we lost our one listener. <laughs> the last white guy and uh, the black guys weren't listening anyways. I just tagged them on the Facebook post. I, I saw you that, man. You were like, hey, I'm tagging everyone I know who's black. Come listen to my podcast. I did see that. That was pretty funny to me. Yeah. Well, you know, a few years ago, I was kind of like, hey, you know what? Like, I was looking at my friends list, and I was kind of ashamed. I was like, you know, all my friends are white leaders. Like, what's up with this? I need some some people, you know, from from other groups, man. Like, body of Christ is wide. Why is why is mine so homogenous? So I just I just uh, started reaching out and made some awesome friends. And so yeah, I tagged all my friends. That's cool. That's cool. I um. I, I usually try and I, I've got a list literally of people who have asked to friend me on Facebook and I don't, <laughs> I just sit there and yeah. I look at them and I go, I don't know who you are. Why yeah. am I friending you? Cause a lot of them are marketers Oh, and I can tell they just want to show up in my newsfeed so they can market to me. And I'm like, you guys are annoying. You don't understand social media. I, I look for people that are pedophiles because sometimes I post my kids on. So, you know, if I get a, if I get a phone I, request. Look, dude, now I have to go delete this out. You know, that was like so far over the line. Come on. I know. I, I look and I'm like, oh, you kind of look like a pedophile. So if you Facebook request friended me, um, friend requested me, 
and I did not accept, it's probably because you look like a pedophile. And I just, I, I'm like, hey, I, I can't be your friend because you might want to look at my kids. Say my name. Cool. So, uh, was that too far? Well, yeah, I think I think we just just edit that out. I think I think I don't know that I got time to edit that out, man. <laughs> Sometimes this podcast is both a blessing and a curse. Yeah. Hey, um, I think we should actually tell everyone now that um, episode two hundred is actually, guys, uh, big news. It's going to be our last episode. Episode two hundred ever will be the end of the Church Planner podcast. Yeah. Um, after that, Peyton and I are uh, going on to greener pastures, and uh, and we're basically just tired of your hate mail. So, yeah. Yeah, I I still get it, and I still read it, and it still wounds me deeply. It affects me for about two, three weeks. I'm not quite right. It has a knock-on effect in my family. Um, it affects my performance at work, and, uh, you know, uh, I'm in counseling, and, uh, you know, it's uh, <laughs> I could really uh, – this has just been a rough week for me, man. I <laughs> – with the business that I do, I work with a lot of real estate professionals, and it is amazing to me how smart they can be in some areas of their lives and not in others. <laughs> like it is, it is like they are really good at selling real estate, like really good at it. But like how you turn on a computer is foreign to them. <laughs> It yeah, is, it is. Amazing. I have no comment on that, Pete. You know how to turn on a computer. I do. I do know how to turn on a computer. But but after that, I'm pretty much a little bit lost. <laughs> I had this lady today. I've been dealing with her for weeks now, and I, I finally I emailed my partner on this program. I'm like, look, I got a refund of her money. I can't deal with her anymore. This is just it's reached the absurd level because she was like. She needed all these postcards, so we put them all together, and I sent her the the uh, zip file. It won't open. I'm like, dude, it's a zip file. Every computer since about 1990 can open a zip file. It's just blank. It, the, the file doesn't work. So I open it all, dump it into a Dropbox folder, send her the folder. Oh, great. There it is. Oh, no. When I download them, they won't open. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, dude, I don't know what to tell you. And she's like, please, can I just pay you? How much will it cost? Can I just pay you? And I'm like, no, because I have standards. I can't work with you. Pete, would you say that when this was happening, you felt like you could minister to her? (laughs) Let me just put it like this. I felt (laughs) like, wow, this is why it's so hard to show the love of Christ to some people. Well, here's the thing. Yeah, here's the thing. Like, okay, so so picture that, right? Probably at that moment, you just just like I can't even deal with you. I think that happens on a lot of levels with people. I think when you you know how, like Paul in First Corinthians nine, how he says, you know, um, therefore we, you know, all things we've been made new. Therefore, we regard no one from a fleshly point of view anymore. And he says, you know. Uh, All things are made new. You know, we used to view Christ from a fleshly point of view, but now we don't anymore. And then Paul says, therefore, I become all things to all men. He actually says, I don't look at people the same anymore. 
And I also put myself in their shoes. I become like them to reach them. I become as the Jew to reach the Jew. I become as the Gentile to reach a Gentile. And here's the deal. I was I was jogging down the beach. Um, it was Wednesday. I was running. And I live, I live, like I go out my door. I go a few hundred yards. I turn left. I'm in this beautiful lagoon. And then, you know, I go through the lagoon to the beach. I mean, it's, it's, it's awesome. I love it. But, you know, obviously living in a beach community, there's a lot of, you know, people dress. There's, there's girls in bikinis and I, I, I'm not, look, I'm not, I'm, I, I don't feel like I perv out on that stuff. I mean, women are nice looking, don't get me wrong, but, but here's the deal. There are people stood out watching the girls volleyball while they're in bikinis and they're creepy looking dudes, right? Like, and I remember I was jogging and I'm just like, you know what? Like I start getting mad as I'm kind of approaching the volleyball section and I just see these creepy dudes and I'm, I'm, you know, cause I'm a dad, I got two girls and like I said, I mean, I don't, you know, women are meant to be attractive. That's how God made them. You know, I'm, I'm glad he did, you know, it's I'm not trying to be like an Uber Puritan cause I was talking to my wife and my wife's like, but that, you know, women are they're they're beautiful and they're meant to be admired and and she was she was kind of taking the high road and I go yeah but hun these guys were creepy and and it was like these creepy guys aren't there any other time of day it's like they had it mapped out because I'm noticing this pattern and you can tell which ones are like the dads of these high school girls and then you can tell the ones that are just kind of uh you know they're they're there to have a perv so anyways, I'm, I'm jogging down the beach and I'm angry because I, you know, like I said, daughter of daughter of two girls. I mean, a uh, dad of two girls. You know, I'm a little mad. I'm like, yeah, perverts, scumbags, you know, go somewhere else, move along. And as I do that, this guy, this guy that, that I, let's just I'm going to make up his name. Let's say his name is uh, Brad. Brad uh, is a guy that I've been talking to. He's, he's a homeless guy and I've I've shared a little bit with him and. All of a sudden, Brad turns around, sees me, and goes, "Hey, Peyton, what's up?" <laughs> and I immediately, like every every feeling I have, or like I almost wanted to kill these guys, suddenly transforms, and I go into gospel mode, like boom, and and the and 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 I you know, I just waved, but my heart completely did a one eighty, mm-hmm. like in a in a in an instant. Because all of a sudden, all this compassion, and I saw him. I didn't just see pervert. I saw him. And I think Jesus, when he looked at people, he didn't just see prostitute. He didn't just see sinner. He saw their soul. He saw who the real them was, who he created them to be, right? I don't know. I don't know if, uh, if you're, if you're picking up what I'm, what I'm laying down here, but, you know, often within evangelical circles, we identify ourselves as sinners. But I think what the gospel comes along and does, it says you were given a new nature. And yes, although, you know, sin is part of the the old nature, your new nature is not. Your new nature is the restored you. It's the one that God created you to be. The sinner, the old nature, is a distortion of the intended you. If that makes sense. Yep. So, so when you identify yourself as a sinner, yes, you are a sinner, but that is a distortion. So what you're saying is I am a distortion of what I was intended to be. I've missed the mark. 
So when Jesus looked at people, I believe that he looked at people and he saw them as they were intended to be. And so, you know, uh, like I said, so so all of a sudden I'm not mad at him. As I'm jogging away, I feel the Holy Spirit just speak to me and give me all this compassion, not just for Brad, but for every other person along that wall. And I felt the Lord just kind of whispered on my heart, imagine being so in bondage to your appetites, you know, to, to lust that you would drag yourself down to the beach at a set time and just stand there like a pervert, not caring who's seeing you perving out on, on these girls that you could not resist your impulses to that point. And, you know, can you imagine? And, and I just, all of a sudden it was like, it went from anger to, to pity. And then it was like, man, I, I want to go talk like these are conversations like I right away knew this is a conversation I'll be having with Brad. I'll be talking to him about being in bondage to to, you know, kind of like the guy says, you know, it's it's I'm not in bondage to things I don't want to do. I'm in bondage to the things I do. You know, God saved me from my desires. You know, um, I think when you become a Christian that that it, it, you switch from seeing God as someone who fulfills all your desires to God as somebody who saves you from your desires. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, and so it it really kind of goes um, to this whole bottom line of can you minister to people as you're judging them at the same time? Oh, was that a, I'm just opening that up for discussion. Yeah, I, I thought that was a comma. I didn't realize that was a period. <laughs> I, I mean, you know me. I can fill dead space. <laughs> no, it's funny hearing what you're saying because um, I think about Refuge Long Beach. And you look at the people who were there, at least when I was there. And I'm sure it's the same way because it's those well, were the good ones. <laughs> well, it's not like it's a <laughs> should go now. It's not a highfalutin church now. So it's not like, you know, anyway. Um, but I'm reminded of one of the things that Rick Warren said to us when we were at that dinner with him. I think it was then that he said it. Uh, he goes, I won't hire anyone on my staff who hasn't been hurt deeply. And what he was speaking to is there. Like when you when you find the God that can heal that wound, that can pick you up from such a low spot, there there is unfortunately there is a difference. And I say unfortunately because I don't. I mean, if you haven't gone through that, that's great. That's awesome for you. Um, but there is a difference. There is a closeness, and I think it's because we can remember what it was like for us. And I think. You know, we talk about on this this podcast, I'm the sinner. Clearly, that's the case. <laughs> I mean, it's it's kind of at times an absurd level, but there's there's one thing that I don't feel at all in my life. And I think um, the more I understand God, the more I understand God's grace, the more of my imperfection I see. And I, I can't just sit there and be like, oh, you know, those gays, you know, how dare they do this? Or those mm. fill in the blank. Um, it's so vile. Yeah, there are a lot of things that are vile. There are a lot of things that turn my stomach. 
But yet I look at them and I do not, I can honestly say this. I don't look at them and think to myself, at least I'm not them or I'm better than them because I realize I got such a blackness in me that thank God Mm. he's come in and saved me from. I don't, I just can't look at people and be like, oh, I'm better than you because I know I got that, that, you know, I'm watching the TV show Dexter again. And he calls it his dark passenger. Of course, he's a serial killer. <laughs> and of course, the hero of the TV show. But, you know, he calls it his dark passenger. I'm like, I, I, I know the dark passenger. I know he's there. And That's funny. And incidentally, the day that we showed up to uh, meet with the community center guy at Bixby Park, they were filming Dexter there. Were they really? Yeah. Yeah. So that's funny. funny. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I'm just saying I, I get it. I mean, um, I can't remember who it was, but I, I remember there was someone who was uh, and I'm going to murder the story. You might actually remember the story. Uh, I, I thought he was one of our former mm-hmm. attorney generals who was a, a, you know, a Christian. And he was friends with someone who was a, a leader in the gay oh, community. Yeah. C. Everett Coop. Was it yeah. C. Everett Coop? Okay. C. Everett Coop. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And they were like, you know, how, how can you uh, be friends with him with all of this, you know, basically sin in his life or something like that? And he's like, I'm just amazed you can be friends with me with all the sin I got in my life. Yeah. And I think there's a, there's a, there's a humbleness there and not like a, you know, it's okay if I sin, but because I realize it's not okay when I sin. And I realize, I don't always realize it right away, but clearly I said some stuff on last week's podcast that, (laughs) you know, whatever. Right. I I don't even know what it was, but, um, but it's not okay, you you know, to center. I don't know. I don't know if I'm making any sense, man. You're making total sense because the the place that Paul comes, I mean, uh, what I kind of hear you saying, I mean, think about Paul, right? He was like, I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. When it comes to legalistic righteousness, I was faultless. Like, that's crazy. But he says legalistic. What he means by that is external righteousness. He goes, I was faultless. Like I kept the law, the external parts perfectly. But then in Romans, stupid train, <laughs> he says they're, they're sprung hey, up. Hey, when's Peyton doing that podcast? Let's make sure we lay on the horn then. <laughs> breaker, breaker. You know, it, it's funny because... Uh, you know, Paul says, you know, when the law said do not covet, he, he doesn't say that, that the law changed. He goes, there sprung up within me every covetous desire. Suddenly, Paul, and he goes, the law which I thought brought life brought death, and I died. I died that day. It was like, I'm dead. I was trying to live by this law, and it slain me because of something in me. And, and, and so Paul transforms from the externals. He knows he's the chief of sinners in his heart. You know, Paul, as far as we know, did not murder anyone physically. I mean, it, what he didn't pick up a stone. He had other people do his dirty work. What troubled Paul was his heart was murderous. He desired them all to die. Um, John, James, you know, Lord, call fire down on those people. You know, we see it in the scripture that that they, they can't minister to those people because all they've got them labeled for is judgment. Lord, these ones go into the destruction box. 
um, it, we'll pick another village to go in the save box. Mm-hmm. And so I think a lot of times we do that with people. We, we put them in the destruction box, you know, Lord call fire down on those people because I hate them. I don't like them. And as long as we're thinking like that, we can't minister to them. Um, and I, I think, I think this kind of attitude, what, what you and I were really hitting on last week with the, with the racism was, you know, it's the same thing that, you know, like you can't listen to them. You can't love them. If you're, if you're listening to the black community and you're just listening to what Fox news says about, you know, there's this, oh, those blacks, you know, they can't, uh, they just can't seem to pull themselves out or they can't, there's all this just crud that people have in their head, whether they want to admit it or not. That's just a subliminal subconscious thing. And so it's the same with sharing the gospel. If you're just mad as, and, and how many times do you judge people, right? Stephen Covey, that famous, uh, thing that, that he says at the beginning of his book, um, which is, uh, isn't it, um, oh, isn't it, um, seven habits of highly win- effective people, seven habits of highly effective people at the beginning wait, wait, of the wait, book. Wait. He's was a- that me telling you what a book was <laughs> for some reason it kept popping up how to win friends and influence people. And I'm like, and I know I've never read that book. That's so. Dale Carnegie. Yeah. Never read that one. So, but that kept jumping in. I'm like, I know it's not that one. So I've read that, but, uh, but but here's the deal is at the beginning of that book, he, he kicks off the, the book with the story of him being on the, the, the subway. And there's this guy with these three kids that are hopping all over the seats and they're swinging on the on the handle, you know, and like monkeys. And they're going up to like old men, you know, reading the newspaper and they're like smacking the newspaper out of the guy's hand and going up in their face and going, ah, <laughs> like you've seen these kids, right? And Stephen Covey's sitting there, and he's just getting mad. He's just trying to ride the subway. And uh, he's in New York, and he's, he's just getting more and more angry. And he's finally like, I'm going to say something, you know. And uh, he's watching other people, other passengers get up and move. And he's just getting incensed. And he finally turns to the guy and says, will you please control your children? This is a public subway. This is not a zoo. And the guy, who's just been staring off blankly the whole time, ignoring his kids, he looks up and he, he looks at him like he's like snaps out of a, a daze and he goes, oh, I, I, I'm sorry. We, I'm so sorry. I, I've just come from the hospital and, uh, their, their, their mother's just passed away. And, uh, I, I, I don't know how to deal with it right now. And I, I, I don't think the kids do either. And he would come, he's like, <laughs> you know, just shrinking down. And I think he wrote in the book, if I'm not mistaken, that that I didn't need to wait for the subway doors to open, that I could have just slipped under the crack. I felt so small. And 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 of course he makes he makes the point there that you, you can never judge people, right? Um by the way, and, uh Chick-fil-A did a commercial like that. It was really good. Chick-fil-A of what's all that? people. Chick-fil-A did a commercial. Like that, where Did they, they? yeah, they were like, you know, you, you never know what's going on in someone's life. And like they pan around, of course, it's at a Chick-fil-A and, you know, they show the little girl and she's like seven years old and it goes, um, father hates her and blames her for her mother's death. And, you know, and it just like goes to everyone and every t- like tells everyone's little story and stuff. 
So. Dude, that's like a Hallmark card in a commercial. I think for they a did chicken it, restaurant. I think they did it right after the whole uh, um, you know gay marriage support thing or uh, uh, against gay marriage support. Wow, wow. Well, you know, it, it's funny, man, because as I'm as I'm looking at this, you know, it doesn't matter like who it is, right? Um, but I I love the fact that Paul right away says, "A, I don't look at anyone different anymore," and B. Um, I become like them. And so one of the, one of the things that we've been doing recently is, um, with the multiply training that I do with Mac, um, we have this part where we talk about what would it look like? Like you can take that verse where Paul says, uh, to reach the blank, I became like the blank, right? To reach the Jew, I became like, and then he says, um, I've, I've become all things to all men. To reach some. And so Paul's saying, I identify with them. I live, I, you know, I go and I, I, I eat with them. I mix with them. I, and that's really what he's talking about is he's saying, I go hang out with them. Never forget when I became a firefighter. That was the hardest mission field I ever had. Factory was easy compared. I mean, and those were hard men, but the firefighting circle was, was the toughest circle I ever kind of infiltrated. And the first question they wanted to know when they found out I was a preacher is they're like, you'll, you'll go have a beer with the boys, right? Like you're, you're still one of the guys. And, and I was like, yeah, I, I'll, I'll go have a beer with you. No problem. And really I wasn't, you know, I was living in Britain, but I, I wasn't really big on beer, but I was like, that's what it takes to, to, to sure. Sure. I'll go have a beer with you, you know, no, no problem. And, uh, you know, it, it, it just, but Paul's saying, I'll go and I'll identify with you and I'll walk with you and I'll live like you, you know? And so we're, we're asking the question, you know, what does it mean to, to the millennials? I became like a millennial, you know, to the, to the cross dresser. I became, that doesn't mean you, you, you start wearing women's clothing, but it's that you're putting yourself in, into their frame of mind. You're not looking at them the same. You're seeing them as someone for whom Christ died. And that's where Paul goes in that passage. That's where that passage ends. He says, for we judge thus that if Christ died for all, then we all died, right? And that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who loved them and gave themselves for them. And, and so Paul, his whole conclusion, his whole deal is I am going to live my life as a living sacrifice, laying it down for others so that they can see Jesus. And so what does it mean? to become, you know, that, I guess that's where it, it comes down to with the prostitute, um, the cross-dressing prostitute that, that, that we've talked about before on the podcast, using the, the ladies room. I don't care. It's like, well, Hey, if that, you know, if you pick the time where no one of the service, you know, no one's in there and that's when you go use the restroom, that's fine by me. We don't got any kids in there. That's not a worry to me. You, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, the, the reality is that you've got to, You've got to reach it. You, you got to stop judging people. You know, you can't tell them, well, you have to use the handicapped restroom with a little bit of a, a gleam in your eye. Like I just made a dig at you. You're handicapped because you're a cross dresser. Um, there's so much hatred right now in our society. The moral right is always angry about stuff. And that's what people are getting. And I'm sorry, but Christians, in, until we stop judging people like Pharisees, we're never going to be able to love them. And they're going to see Jesus through us loving them, through us lowering our walls and saying, hey, I know you're never going to come into my arena 
into the church as long as you keep encountering that. But I will cross the boundaries. Like Jesus, I will be the one who crosses through the barriers and makes the journey to you. Because I don't expect you to make the journey to us. Know what I'm saying? I feel you, dog. I do. <laughs> Man, I, yeah, I get it. I mean, it, it's kind of funny to me because I have these these flashes in my head all the time. And I can tell you it happened this week. I'm on this plane filled with people. And one of the thoughts that goes in my head is, wow, isn't it crazy? God loves every one of them as mm. much as he loves me. And it's, for me, I know that's like, everyone's like, yeah, of course he does. But for me, it's always like, wow, man, it's crazy to me because I'm looking at people who are totally different than me, completely different, yeah. different ethnicity, uh, different uh, gender, different lifestyle, different who knows what they do for a lit. I mean, and it's like, but I, I am like, I, I am no better than any of them, right? God loved me. God loves them. And it's just one of those things that always catches me. And it just makes me think, okay. And, and I'm not, because you and I have talked about this on the podcast. I'm not the evangelist. I hate talking to people. I'm the guy who's literally praying to God, please don't let anyone sit next to me on the plane. Please let me have the one empty seat <laughs> on the plane. I don't want to talk to anyone. And and so far, God's you been- you know that that's that's for that's like to God. He takes that and goes, "Oh, I'll for sure put someone next to you now." That's like you never pray that prayer. <laughs> no, and and actually, I'll be honest with you, that line that you just said warped my whole view of God growing up because I heard that all the time. Yeah. I heard what I was. Oh, you! If you pray, you don't want to be a missionary. God's gonna make you one. And I'm not kidding, <laughs> dude. I had this vision growing up of I can't then pray to God because if I pray to God that I don't want this, oh, he's gonna, you know, he's gonna dig at me. And oh, I'm gonna show you, Pete, and he's gonna do that. So I'm just telling you that. I hope you don't say that to your kids because you will warp their view of God. Like my no, God. that was just you. It that was just me. That's cool. That was just you. But but um, but no, he's answered that prayer, man. I'm like the last six flights. It's been glorious. <laughs> <laughs> it's been like no I'm like the only person on the plane who's got the whole road to himself. I'm like this is amazing. But I feel you man. You know, you know what in in all seriousness and I was only teasing. I, the reality you is you see Jesus in the gospels going, "All right, everybody, I'm done. G- the Jesus shop is closed. I'm going to sleep on a boat. Everybody get in the boat. We're going away from these people." <laughs> You know, and, and, and so, but other times he's all night and other times the disciples are like, Lord, send them away. Let's go home. And Jesus is like, no, no, this is cool. Let's feed them in the middle of nowhere. So, you know, you never know how God's going to work, but here's the reality, right? Um, what you said is, is so incredible because I'm going through the same thing. And I just wonder if God's kind of stirring people's hearts right now. Um, because, I've been going through this weird thing where I am it, it like flesh and blood doesn't reveal this stuff to you. Right. But like, it, it's totally the spirit. Like I'll feel God's presence at times. And all of a sudden I'll be filled with this joy that I know God and I can talk to God as jacked up as I am, all the grace on me, all of his love upon me, And that's kind of been like over the past year, all I've been doing in the morning is um, just, you know, uh, focusing on the fact that God loves me. 
and 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 because everything else comes out of that, right? If if you don't know that God loves you, then then nothing else in your Christianity is is going to be built up because it starts with Him being your Father. It starts with His love for you. It starts with He's not you know this harsh taskmaster. In fact, I would say mission comes out of just knowing that you're loved. I think Paul, that was his deal, was once he knew that I am the chief of sinners, yet this grace was given to me that I might preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. Grace and and mission are tied together. That's why the greatest times of, of mission have always come out of the greatest times of revival. And so for me right now, I keep hearing Jesus that verse where he says to the disciples, do not rejoice that demons listen to you or you were given authority to do miracles, but rejoice that your name is written in the book of life. And I've been feeling that. I've been hearing that verse over and over in my heart. And that's the thing to get excited about, that I know God and God knows me. And 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 so here's the deal, guys. As you, um, you know, I mentioned how the disciples want to send people away. And I'm probably going to close out on this because, again, just remember, if you're judging people, you cannot minister grace to them. It's impossible. There's there's it's one stops the other from happening. Also, if you're if you're uh, ministering the grace of God to people, you will not judge them. I promise you, you will see them so differently. And so when the disciples are like, Lord, send the people away, you know, blah, 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 blah. that's when Jesus goes, hey, guys, the harvest is ripe. Open your eyes, right? He tells them, open your eyes, and the harvest is ripe. And then he says, pray. Pray that the Lord sends workers out in to his harvest. So God is going to harvest them, and he says, I want you to be a part of this. They're ripe, and God is going to harvest, but he wants you to be included. He wants you to be a part of what he's doing. And that starts with that prayer because it's the prayer that opens our eyes. That's why Jesus says, open your eyes. But then he says, pray. Because as you start praying for people, that starts melting your heart towards them. I guarantee you, anyone that you're struggling with judging, millennials, homosexuals, um, you know, if you really struggle with what we said about race issues and you, you've got latent racism in your heart, whatever it is, I promise you, if you start praying, for those people, God will start melting your heart. Chuck Smith hated hippies, hated them, judged them, felt they were losers, wasteoids, go get a job, cut your hair, straighten up, fly right. And God used that man to usher in the Jesus movement because they started praying, because his wife told him, hey, you know, why don't you start praying for him? And it convicted him to the core that he was doing nothing but judging an entire generation and they were going to hell and he wasn't willing to lift a finger and he knew it. So we just started praying and, uh, guys, I'm just telling you, you know, it doesn't matter who it is. You start praying for them and you will start seeing everything change around on that. I dig it, man. I dig it. Cool. All right. Well, uh, Hey, hey let me Pete. ask you something. Um, what, <laughs> When it, it's probably the same thing I was going to ask you. I'm sure it is, but I'm asking it of you. <laughs> hey, um, you know, with all of this stuff, you know, struggling with uh, all these different issues and stuff, uh, and let's just say you were to start a church plant and 
in an area. And is there is there some way other than PayPal that you could help people to be able to to tithe and to give to your ministry, maybe online or or via text? Is is there anything like that that exists? You know, Pete, I'm all about you know everything we talked about today is hard, so uh, I'm all about making it easy on people, right? If they want to fund the mission or if they even want to, you know, I got a buddy who, uh, they don't take a dime. Every penny that comes in just about, um, goes out towards needs in the community. And, uh, you want to make that easy on people. So people are really excited to give because if there's someone who's like really struggling, they'll drop one or two, two grand on them out of benevolence and that, you know, if there's needs in the community. So the church itself is super excited. Well, you know how it is. You don't drag your checkbook around. No one carries a checkbook anymore, right? Only old ladies do that. So you need to have a cheap and easy online giving platform like mogive.com, Pete. Mogive.com. Forward slash? Church. Now, if you're an old lady, it's Peyton at churchplantermag.com. That's Just where make you can the send. check out to Peyton Jones or New Breed Church Planting. That'll be fine. <laughs> So you're saying there's a magical thing called MoGive that allows people to give online and via text. Pete, I can see why you think I made it up, that it's in the realm of Harry Potter and other things like magical unicorns that poop jelly beans. But no, MoGive is a real thing. MoGive.com forward slash church is the online giving platform you need to make it easy. I dig it, man. And I appreciate you sharing those words of wisdom with me and our listener. Listener. Of course, Pete. Er, not listeners. <laughs> <laughs> no, we lost him last week. I keep telling you oh, this. That's right. We got you we'll, and I are just talking to ourselves right we'll now. We'll find a new one. <laughs> Maybe it's you. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's driving in the car right now, going, "It's me! It's me!" <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, guys, thanks for joining us today for the Church Planner Podcast. And this has been Peyton Jones and Pete Mitchell reminding you if you want to reach the ones nobody's reaching, you need to go where nobody's going and do what nobody's doing. Thanks for joining us for another weekly episode of the Church Planner Podcast with Pete Mitchell and Peyton Jones. We'd love to hear your comments on this episode of the Church Planner Podcast. Visit us online and let us know what you thought at churchplannerpodcast.com. If you subscribe to us via iTunes and have enjoyed the podcast, leave us a positive review. The more positive reviews we receive in iTunes, the more iTunes will promote us to other church planners who would benefit from this show. This podcast is brought to you by the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the iTunes newsstand or online via churchplannermagazine.com. Thank you.